Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus, we wait on you, Lord. Hallelujah, we wait on you, Jesus, we wait on you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The writer in Ecclesiastes said, where the word of a king is, there is power. Hallelujah, where the word of a king is, there is authority. Hallelujah, every earthly kingdom speaks and nations listen. But our God is not just another president. He's not just another king that is elected or voted in. But he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And when God speaks... When the king of kings speaks, there is power. Demons have to listen when the king of kings speaks. That trouble that's been perplexing you, it has to pay attention when the king of kings speaks. Yes, Lord, we wait upon you to speak right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I wonder if you could pray for somebody nearby you right now. I just want you to pray that God would speak. Come on, that Logos, that established Word of God, that Rhema, that breathed Word of God for the moment. Hallelujah, God, we need you to speak today. There's somebody here today that needs that Rhema. They need that breathed Word of God. They need that right now Word of God. Where the Word of a King is, there is power. on where the word of a king is there come on in the name of Jesus let that word of God be spoken right now we spoke some words earlier that were right out of the word of God I shall live and not die that's the word of God that's the logos that's the established word of God I will live and not die I speak the word of God and there's authority in the spoken word of God hallelujah Jesus Come on, there's there's authority right now. In the name of Jesus, there's authority in this house. You have the authority to call things that are not as though they were. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth, it's going to be loosed in heaven. He gave you that authority. As a son of the king, as a child of God, you have the authority. Hallelujah. We speak peace in the name of Jesus. We speak faith in the name of Jesus. We speak hope in the name of Jesus. We speak to that mountain, be thou removed and cast into yonder sea. We speak to that sickness, be rebuked from that body in the name of Jesus. 
We speak to discouragement and depression. We speak to fear in Jesus' name. And we speak authority over you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Let's, let's agree all across this room right now. Let's agree with what the Word of God has spoken. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. If you would turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30. And as you turn your Bible, Sister Sylvia has a very quick but important announcement that she's going to make. And then we'll get into the Word together. Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. Don't you love what you feel in here? There's no place I'd rather be than in the presence of the Lord. And what we're about to do is just as biblical as everything else we have already done today. This week we will celebrate a very special birthday in our congregation. The Bible says to give honor where honor is due. We are very blessed with an absolutely amazing pastor and an absolutely amazing first lady. She stepped into a role with very big shoes to fill. She's made it her own. She's not only been my first lady, but she has become a very good friend as well. I know that if I go to her and I'm wrong, she will very lovingly, because I ask her to, because how much you know, how many of you know we have to want that correction? We have to be able to receive that correction. And she very lovingly but very truthfully gives it to me when I want it, when I need it. And I just want to say thank you to her for who she is in my life, but also for the example that she is to this church. Because she's been through a lot. She goes through a lot. You would never know that she goes through those things because she's very faithful to God and the house of God. And so, Sister Valerie, we just want to say happy birthday to you. And I will not tell everybody which one it is. But if you would like to come up, we do have some gifts for you from the church. She's going to open up so you can see uh, just one of them. I will tell you what the second one is once she's done with this one. Um, this is through everyone. Thank you for giving to the Shepherd's Fund. The Shepherd's Fund is our way of blessing them on special occasions in their lives. And so if you've given to the Shepherd's Fund, this is from you. This is for us, from us as a church body. And we're going to have Jacoby help her hold it up so you can see what you have bought for her. <laughs> It's a really awesome set of copper pots. So, and we are not going to open the other one because it is a very heavy and awkward uh, metal pot rack so that she can hang those from. So thank you so much, Sister Valerie. Thank you very much. I, uh, I've been using the same pots and pans for a hot minute, so it was time. It was time. So thank you very much. I love each and every one of you. And uh, I'm 43 this this week, so <clears throat> I'm thankful for 43 years that God has kept me. And uh, I know women, you're not supposed to ask them your age, but I'm thankful. I'm, I'm proud to say that 43 and I'm still kicking and God's been good to me. So <laughs> thank you, Living Hope. I love you. Amen. And again, if we're going to, uh, would you turn with me to 1 Samuel 30? And we're going to read just a few verses in your standing, beginning of verse number 11. 
also want to say happy birthday to Brooke. Brooke will be 22. Three? 23. Wow. How'd that happen? So she was actually born on Valerie's birthday, on Valerie's 20th birthday. I need, I need to write these numbers down before I say stuff. You get in trouble for these kind of things. But uh, anyway, so happy birthday to Valerie and to Brooke. And thank you all for always uh, going above and beyond and honoring our family. Amen. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 11. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread. And he did eat and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. When he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. For he'd eaten no bread, nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou? And whence art thou, or where are you from? He said, I'm a young man of Egypt, but I'm a servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me, because three days ago I fell sick. They found an Egyptian in the field. Because three days before his master had left him. I want to preach for just a little bit today on this thought. Jesus found me where the devil left me. Amen. Jesus found me where the devil left me. Anybody got a testimony today? Anybody thankful that you serve a God that when the devil said he was finished with you, Jesus said, I'm just getting started. When the devil said there's no hope, Jesus said, I've got a future for you. Come on. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house today. Jesus found me where the devil left me. I came to celebrate today that I've got a Savior. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. The Lord bless you. You could be seated. What a great crowd. I was thinking of all the people that weren't going to be here today, and I, was, I prepared a sermon for that scripture where that says two or three are gathered. I thought I was going to be preaching to two or three today, but there's a very good crowd here today. Thank you all for coming out. And certainly pray that you have a great holiday weekend with your families. But before we do that, I believe that God would speak to us for just a little bit today. Amen. I know that we have likely all heard the idiom or the phrase that one man's trash is another man's treasure. And I know that there are some among us, Brother Sylvia, that have the gift of repair and restoration. I've on more, more than one circumstance heard Brother Sylvia has made a trip to the landfill and left with more than he came with. I found this old vacuum cleaner and now it's working like brand new. And I found this old washing machine and now it's working like new. They are able to, those among us that are able to take what somebody else gave up on. They're able to take devices and machines that others gave up on in frustration. And they're able to reclaim them to their proper working condition. I would say... I'm not one of those. In fact, I'm the other guy. I'm the guy that you might find the vacuum cleaner. And maybe it was just a belt that slipped off, but it was easier for me to throw it away and get a new one because I was on the verge of losing my Holy Ghost trying to fix that thing. Amen. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Sean McEvoy and his wife, Ricky, had started a small business of picking up vintage clothing that they would find at thrift stores and yard sales and reselling them online. On one particular day at a rummage sale in Asheville, North Carolina, 
Sean and Ricky found an old sweater that had been frayed in the edges by moth damage. They purchased the tattered relic for 58 cents and Ricky took it home and began to try to repair the damage. And as they began to work on it, she found on the inside of that sweater the the name and initial V. Lombardi. She began to investigate. In fact, watching a documentary, she found the very sweater that she was working on on the Hall of Fame coach by the name of Vince Lombardi. Within weeks, that 58-cent purchase had been resold for $48,000. One man's trash is another man's treasure. There is also the testimonial of Michael Sparks, who was browsing at a thrift store in Nashville in 2006 when he found what he believed to be a very well-made duplicate of the Declaration of Independence. It looked to be an impeccable reproduction. So he purchased that copy of the Declaration of Independence for $2.48. But after a little bit of research, Sparks found that this was no ordinary copy. This was not something that had been duplicated on a Xerox machine or even by the careful scripting of a hand, but it was one of the 200 official copies of the nation's founding document that had been commissioned by John Quincy Adam in the year 1820. It is only the 36th of those 200 copies to ever have been found and what was purchased for $2.48 would be sold for $477,650. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Finally, there is the example of Randy Gaharo who was looking through old boxes at a thrift shop in Fresno, California in 2010. He discovered in that thrift store a pile of old tin-type photographs, which he purchased the whole pile for $1 apiece. Returning home, he was drawn to one particular image that you can see on the screen now. He began to think that one of, the, one of the images, one of the persons in the image just looked familiar. Sure enough, he discovered that individual to your left leaning on that croquet mallet was none other than the notorious outlaw Billy the Kid. That image that was purchased for $1 has now been valued at over $5 million. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Each of these stories drive home a very particular point, actually a couple. First of all, make sure you take a closer look at what you take to the vintage values. (laughs) Secondly, why don't these things ever happen to me? But third, and most importantly, they exemplify a pattern of those things, discarded objects and items that somebody believed had no value, that there was no worth left in them. These photographs, these household items and tattered clothing that had become little more than inconvenient clutter to one person, yet somebody else comes along and they find what has been rejected and abandoned by one person and they realize there's still value left in them. There's still something of worth that is left in them. I don't know about you, but I stand in this house today as a testimony of a God who found me when the devil said I wasn't worth anything, and God said he's worth something. Jesus said he's worth my blood. Are you glad that Jesus found you where the devil left you? 
Some of you don't know it yet, but Jesus is here today to find you. The devil left you on the trash heap of life, but I came today to let you know Jesus isn't finished with you. God's not done with you. He's going to turn your mourning into ashes. He's about to turn your sorrow into joy. Somebody one more time, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Tell your neighbor, Jesus found me. Tell somebody behind you, Jesus found me where the devil left me. When Jesus found me, I didn't have anything to offer, but he made something beautiful out of my life. And such is the occasion. As recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 30, David and his men in this portion of Scripture are in hot pursuit on the tale of the Amalekites. These Amalekite nomads have invaded Ziklag, the city that belonged to David and his men, while they, David and his men are off in battle. The Amalekites invade the city. They loot that city of Ziklag, they burn it, and they take away the women and children as captives. And now David and his men have gotten the green light from God to go and pursue and take back all that the enemy has stolen from them. And the Bible says that as they are in a hurry, as they are in pursuit of an adversary that is stolen and taken from them, as they are in a hurry to reclaim their wives and children, the Bible says they find this Egyptian. As they begin to engage in dialogue with this Egyptian, their questions to him are, where are you from? Who do you belong to? How did you get into this situation that you are in? And the words of that Egyptian servant, I believe, are a word that all of us can relate with at some point in, in our lives. Because that servant says this, my master left me because three days ago I became sick. Can I tell you today, that is the MO, that is the modus operandi of the devil, of the adversary. As long as you have something to offer him... As long as you are profitable to the kingdom of hell, as long as you are on the top of your game, there's room the enemy has for you in his camp. But the moment that things begin to turn backward, the moment that you are no longer at the top of your game, the moment that the addiction takes over, the moment that alcoholism begins to destroy you, the enemy boots you out and says, I've got no more use for them. I've heard it said that hell doesn't have any veterans in its starting lineup. It's always the rookies. It's hell propagates. You, you, you don't see the people on the magazine covers after meth has destroyed their world. You don't see people on the, 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 the magazine covers after alcoholism has ruined their bodies and their livers are, are being destroyed and disease has racked their... No, it's always the rookies. It's always those that are in the season that the Bible declares that there is pleasure in sin for a season. And that's who the enemy props up on the propaganda of hell. It's those that are in the season of pleasure. But when that season is over and pleasure has turned to pain... When the party has turned to pity, then the adversary discards them like yesterday's news. Now they're used and abused, washed up and washed out, emptied out and left for dead. He says, 
My master left me three days ago because I came down with something. I didn't ask for it. It wasn't the way I wanted things to go. I didn't ask for this sickness. I didn't ask for this disease. I didn't ask for this infirmity. I didn't ask for this infection. But as soon as I came down with something that I was no longer profitable to the enemy, he discarded. I'm preaching to somebody in this room today. You didn't ask for what you've been through. You didn't ask for what you've gone through. You didn't ask for the circumstances. Circumstances, you didn't ask for the situation. I'm preaching to people in this room today, you've been through some things. I'm preaching to folk in this room today that you've been through some tough times and you didn't ask to go through them, but the devil has made you feel like it's over. It's over. My best days are behind me. Anybody ever said that? Anybody ever heard that said my best days are behind me? I've got nothing to look forward to. I'm lucky to just even be alive. It's the best that I can do to even get out of bed every day. There's too many people living with this mindset that the best thing you can do is get out of bed. I want to let you know there is another master. I want you to know there is another master. He's not like that Egyptian taskmaster who boots you out when you've got nothing to offer. Somebody in this building, your best days are not behind you. God's not finished with you. It's not over. Somebody ought to clap your hands because the devil left you for dead, but God found you where the devil left you. Somebody ought to give God praise because the devil left you, but Jesus found you where the devil left you. Brother James, I find it telling that when David and his men happened upon this Egyptian servant, it really didn't take a lot to bring this man back. It really didn't take much. Brother Alberti, it says they gave him a little bit of water to drink. They gave him a little bit of bread to eat. The Bible says they gave him a piece of a cake that was made from figs. And they give him two clusters of raisins. That's not a... Uh, maybe to you that's a feast. To me that's an appetizer. That sounds like Longhorn, what they bring me before they bring my ribeye. Amen. This was the appetizer and just a little bit of compassion. Just a little bit of ministering. And the Bible says that the spirit came back into that Egyptian. The spirit came back into that servant. All it would have taken from that Amalekite master was just a little bit of compassion. Just a little bit of time of waiting on this man. Just a little bit of food. Just a little bit of water. Just a couple of days rest. And that man would have been as good as new. But that Amalekite master was in too much of a hurry. It's not as if. The Amalekite master didn't have food to spare. We look at verse 16 of this chapter and we find that when David and his men finally catch up to the Amalekites that had left this servant to die, they're not rationing out MREs. They're not breaking out a roll from Longhorn and a little bit for you, a little bit for you. We didn't have enough to spare for that servant. That's not what's happening. 
The Bible tells us that they are feasting, that they are eating and they are drinking and they're dancing and rejoicing. They, they, didn't, they didn't leave that servant there with nothing to eat and nothing to drink because they didn't have anything to spare. They didn't leave him behind because they were in a hurry to get to their next deadline. They simply didn't have time to minister to the need of a broken man. But I want to introduce you to a Jesus. I want to introduce you to a God who no matter where you're at and no matter what you're going through, he's got time for you. I wonder, is there anybody in the building that has a testimony that Jesus had time for you? I was broken, but he found me. I was lost, but he found me. That Amalekite master leaves that Egyptian servant to die. He had the abundance to provide what that man needed to be restored. I know enough about people, and I know enough about people in this room right now that you've lived that. You've lived people that when you were at the top of your game, they promoted you. They invited you to sit at the table. They had room for you. You were in their conversations in a good way. But the moment that you no longer had anything to offer them, they don't have, can I preach today? I'm preaching to where we're really living right now. I'm preaching to people that when, when, when no longer, when they had a need for you, all of a sudden they don't have room at the table for you any longer. They don't have any, any leftovers to give you any less. It's not that the Amalekite master didn't have anything to give. That master was in a place of abundance. Yet he cuts ties with the servant because of a servant's unfortunate circumstance. And in the same place, that the Amalekite master cut ties, David comes along and makes a covenant. I want you to grasp that today in the same place. This Egyptian servant is in the same place that three days ago an Amalekite master who had food and water, had bread and, and, and supplies to, 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 to provide for this man to bring him back to health. And three days before, in the same condition he's in, he leaves him there to die. But along comes David, an Old Testament type of Jesus Christ. Along comes David. And he finds this man not any better than he was three days before. Probably he's worse than he was. Not only is he dealing with the sickness, He's still a servant. He's still dealing with sickness. But now he's three days without food and water. But what does David do? He says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. But I'm going to make a promise. Listen, Jesus didn't love you because what you had to offer. He loved you because he's a good father. I think we get around the church after a while and we convince ourselves that Jesus got a pretty good deal when he found us. Well, I know now why Jesus loved me because after all, who wouldn't love me? I mean, feast your eyes upon the prize. Look at me. Look at what I bring to the table. I've got all this talent. I've got all of this skill. I, listen, when Jesus found you, talent was the last thing on your mind. Skill was the last thing on your mind. Anointing wasn't even near you. Jesus didn't love you because of who you are. He loved you because of who he is. 
Somebody ought to praise him today. Jesus found me where the devil left me. And when the devil left me, Jesus made a covenant with me. The same condition that his master left him, David makes a covenant with it. What is a covenant? It's a binding agreement. Don't say, well, I've never made a covenant. If you drive a car, you've made a covenant. If you live in a home, you've made a covenant. A covenant is you'll let me drive your car and I'll make payments until it becomes mine. That's a covenant. It's a two-sided agreement. It's I'll do this if you'll do that. Jesus, that Old Testament type, David, finds this Egyptian servant in what the master, the Amalekite evil master looks at and says, you've got nothing to offer. And in the same state, in the same condition, David looks at him and says, I will enter into a covenant agreement with you. Uh, Amen. Here is the fact that I've come to preach today that many of you, the devil has lied to you and told you that because the devil is done with you, uh, that because life has left you behind, uh, that you've got to improve your conditions uh, before mercy is available unto you. Uh, The devil has told you that you've got to get better before Jesus will love you. But I've come to let you know Jesus loves you right where you're at. He loves you right there in your condition. You don't have to get better for mercy. You don't have to get better for grace. He found you right where the devil left you. Somebody ought to rejoice today. Somebody ought to rejoice today. I don't have to get good enough to earn his mercy. He loved me in spite of me. When I read that, something in my spirit became overwhelmed with excitement uh, because, Brother Alberti, I remember remember times in my life when I've been that servant uh, and the devil whispered in my ear uh, and said, you're not good enough for mercy. Uh, You're not good enough for the promises of God. Uh, You're not good enough for grace. Uh, But I found an Old Testament promise. Uh, I found a New Testament covenant uh, that in the midst of my sin, uh, the name of the Lord is a strong tower there's mercy waiting on you right now there's grace available to you right now somebody ought to raise your hands you don't have to get good enough you don't have to overcome your condition you don't have to overcome your addiction all you've got to do is raise your hands right now Jesus found me where the devil left me. Oh, I wasn't a prize. I wasn't a catch. I wasn't valuable. I was a mess. I was a wreck. I was a servant sick. I was a servant abandoned. I was left. I was undone. I was dealing with a sickness. I was dealing with circumstances that I never asked to come into my life. Everybody else was done with me. They left and abandoned me. But I'm so thankful Jesus showed up. I'm so thankful mercy found me. I'm so thankful grace reached down. Can we raise our hands and thank him? Come on, come on. This may not be, maybe some of you were good enough. Maybe some of you deserve mercy. Maybe there's a few of you in the house today, or maybe even it's the majority of you. Maybe you had it all together. Maybe when Jesus found you, he looked down and said, oh, that person right there, they're good enough for my mercy. 
Oh, they, they, their life is, they, they've got it going on. I, I'll be lucky to have them. Maybe that's your story, but that's not mine. When Jesus found me, he found a sinner. When Jesus found me, he found a relic that the world didn't even have any purpose left in them. But I'm so thankful when he went to a cross 2,000 years ago, he didn't do it for a bunch of good people that had their act together. And the Bible says he died for sinners. Christ died for sinners. If a man would die for somebody good, that's great. But Christ didn't die for good people. He died for abandoned servants. I'm not going to preach much longer. The covenant, the same place that the Amalekite master abandoned him. David says, I'm going to make a deal. I've got something to offer you because you've got something to offer me. We're going to enter into a covenant agreement right now. He says, my conditions are you'll you'll lead me to the enemy. My conditions are you're going to take me to the Amalekites, those that abandon you. Those that left you for dead, you take me to where they're at. The Amalekite says, all right, here's all that I ask. Is that you don't kill me. You don't ever take me back to what I used to be. All that I ask in return is that you don't kill me and don't let me go back to what I used. Can I tell you there's a covenant in this house today? Come on, somebody, God, not only is he not going to kill you, he has plans to prosper you. The enemy, the thief, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Somebody ought to rejoice today. He didn't come to kill me. I deserved it, but he didn't come to kill me. Pastor, that's a little extreme, don't you think, that that I would deserve death? Well, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And the Bible also tells me that, that if I'm guilty of breaking one commandment, that I'm guilty of breaking all of them. So if I've ever told a lie, that means that I'm guilty of adultery and I'm guilty of fornication and I'm guilty of every sin. Listen to the Bible. And what I deserved for that was death. But I'm thankful he didn't come today to kill me. He came today to give me life. He came today to give me hope. He came today to give me joy. He came today to give me peace. If that doesn't set your feet to dancing, I don't know what will. If that doesn't put a song in your soul, I don't know what can. If I walked in here today with Ed McMahon or ever whoever his replacement is today with the publishing house and walked up to you and said, hey, uh, good, luck, good news, you won the million dollar sweepstake. You all would, they wouldn't be able to contain you. Your dancing would be out of control. I'd have to have the ushers come and take you out because you're causing a scene. Let me tell you what Jesus did for you is more than Ed McMahon could ever do for you. He looked, he looked at all the transgressions. He looked at all the debt that you owed, and he nailed it to that tree. And he said, I didn't come to kill you, but I came to give you life. I came to give you life. Listen, he came to give me life. I deserve death, but he gave me life. I deserve judgment, but he gave me mercy. 
I don't know about you, but I feel the same way as that Egyptian servant. Don't ever let me go back to where you found me. Don't ever let me go back to what you brought me from, Jesus. Don't ever let me go back to what I was before you brought me out. Don't ever let me go back to the person that I was. Oh, come on, somebody. Does anybody feel that way, Jesus? Please, whatever you do, don't take me back. God, whatever you do, don't let me go back to what I used to be. Lord, whatever you do, don't let me go back to what I was before you found me. All right, servant, I'm going to enter into covenant with you. I'm going to enter into covenant with you. Don't worry, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to bless you. Don't worry, I've got something right here that's going to make sure that I made provision. You don't ever have to go back to what you used to be. It's called my blood. As long as you stay under my blood, you'll never go back to what you used to be. As long as you stay under my blood, you'll never go back to the person. Hey, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the blood. I'm thankful for the blood. I wonder if anybody feels like me today. Jesus, don't let me go back to what I used to be. I feel that mercy of the Lord in this house today. Some of you are trying to outrun a past. You're trying to distance yourself from a past life. And I promise you on your own, you can't run fast enough to get away from it. But there's a Savior that wants to enter into a covenant relationship with you today. The devil has told you there's no way that God could forgive you of your sin. But I tell you, the Bible says differently. It says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Close your eyes and bow your heads with me. Somebody right now, you're living under a load of condemnation. The devil's left you. Once promising futures have abandoned you. Careers and education and relationships and finances that once seemed to be so promising. Now you've been abandoned, left Jesus is here today to find you right where the devil left you. He's here today with mercy and he's reaching down to where you're at and he's saying, listen, all you've got to do, all you've got to do is find your way to an altar and confess. All you've got to do is come to an altar today and repent and I promise you the grace of God is more eager to meet you there than you are to get there. The mercy of God is more eager to rescue you than you are to be ready. It's not going to take a lot. I know you think I'm a long way from restoration, but listen, just a little bit of the bread of life, just a little bit of the water that you can drink of and never thirst again, just a little bit of those clusters of grapes, that type of the New Testament Holy Ghost, that new wine. Oh, it doesn't take a lot for God to restore you into what the devil thought you could never be again. David says, now it's my turn. 
You've named your side of the covenant. Now it's my turn. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take you. And we're going to go find that enemy that abandoned you. I'm going to take you and you're going to show me right where that taskmaster is at. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to go take back everything that the devil stole. We're going to go. We're going to destroy that enemy that left you abandoned. We're going to go take that enemy that was a taskmaster. We're going to go get that enemy that thought you had no value. We're going to go get that enemy that thought you were worthless and you had no future. And we're going to take back everything the devil stole. God sees purpose in you. God sees purpose in you. God has a plan for you. You stand with me all across this house. I'm reaching today. The Holy Ghost is reaching for somebody in this building that the devil has left you. You feel abandoned. You feel alone. You feel neglected. You feel worthless like you have no value. (sighs) I'm telling you, Jesus is in this place today. And right where the devil left you, Jesus is here today to pick you up. Jesus is here today to give you life and that more abundantly. Jesus is here today, hallelujah, to refill your life with purpose. He's got a plan for you. Amen. Somebody in the building, do you feel what I'm saying today, that Jesus is not done with you? Come on. It's time to enter into covenant relationship. Stop trying to do this on your own. It's time to get on the same side with the King of Kings. It's time to get on the same side with Jesus. It's time to go get what the devil has stolen from you. We can sit here and we can cry and mourn and weep about what we've lost. Or we can get on the winning side and we can go and take back what the devil stole. We can get on the side of Jesus today and let mercy do what mercy can do. Here's, here's, here's the problem. Sunday after Sunday, I preach to some of the same people. And I tell you that God's not finished with you, but you don't come to an altar because there's a devil whispering in your ear. Telling you that if the devil abandoned you, how could God love you? The very thing that's keeping you from the altar is a lie of the devil. That, that what you need today, what, what is going to propel you into a future, what is going to move you into purpose and destiny is when you walk down to this altar and you declare, devil, I know this is where you left me, but this is where Jesus finds me. And we're going to go get back everything the devil stole. We're going to get back everything the enemy took. God's not finished with me. There's purpose in my life. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.